Hey guys, it's Nick. Uh, about halfway through our discussion on the Frontier League rules agreement, we got word that the rules agreement that's posted on, or not rules agreement, the age rule limit that's posted on their website is in fact not quite accurate, as we got people telling us that there is a different rules agreement that we then dive into in the show itself. However, we spend like a solid 15-20 minutes talking about how bad this is going to be if the rules that are posted on the website are the actual age rules. And then it turns out that's not it, and they're actually a lot better than that. We're going to go into more detail about that next week on episode 36, and I'm going to have a full video breakdown of the uh, rumored rules agreement. However, I just want you to know that while you proudly saw on either Twitter or Instagram, or just from kind of listening to the show, there are a different set of rules, which has the uh, age limit at 27, and allows for four veteran exemption spots. The majority of the segment is just us talking about how there's a strict age cutoff at age 28. It's pretty obvious when we switch over and start talking about the rumored rules, as opposed to the ones on the website, but that's just important to know kind of going into it so that way you're not totally confused about that segment. And uh, with that, we'll go to the regular show. Enjoy it. Big things are happening in independent league baseball this week. So we're going to talk about them all here. Everything from stadium construction to age restrictions here on the Indie Bar Report podcast. Alright, episode 35, here it is, coming to you live. Well, not live, but you know. Yeah, you know, in living color, at least. We're back. <laughs> yeah. We got a whole bunch to talk about today. We got Frontier League schedules announced, Somerset's big announcement, cool program going on in Long Island, a whole bunch of stuff. Oh yeah, also the age restriction thing, that I think we kind of have a concrete answer on now, so I've probably been teasing that on social media and annoying all the players that are following us because they just want to know outright, but uh that's how it goes. We need the viewers. In any case, let's just kind of dive right into it. We're going to talk about the schedule first and then kind of get into the rest of the Frontier League stuff. First half of the show is going to be a Frontier League heavy show. And then we'll get to the Atlantic League in the back half. And Alright, so let's dive right in to the schedules. So the Frontier League announced their schedule on Monday. And it does appear that we will have an All-Star break. It looks like from July 13th through 16th. So I would assume 14 and 15 will be like the home run derby day, and then the All-Star game proper. No announcement as to where the All-Star game is going to be yet. I would imagine it's going to be at a Frontier League uh, ballpark. So one of the traditional Frontier League teams, I mean. So Midwest Division, I suppose. Not sure whereabouts. Personally, I pull for Evansville. I think they're a well-ran organization. I think they're a very solid organization as well. It is kind of a little bit further west than some of these teams are now, but... At the same time, I think it's a fairly easy way to travel, and looking at the schedules, at least the handful of teams in the Can-Am division do start off the second half of the season playing those Midwest division teams, so I think that could be a nice little place to put it. Yeah, that would be an interesting spot to put it. I think the All-Star break is always important, particularly now. We've seen it last year, right, and that was up in Rockland, and obviously you've got the merger now happening, and that kind of a little foreshadowing to that, I think, uh, to show that something was in the works there. I think you could see it in another Can-Am, former Can-Am, yeah. Can-Am Division Park, because I think that that would be an interesting way to kind of, like, keep support for this new league. I think you could see that. But I think you're right that they should probably, for fairness and then to be equitable, put it in another uh, traditional mm-hmm. Frontier League park. You know, I do kind of want to build on the one thing that's out there where to keep to show the goodwill between the merger and stuff to put it back in another former Can-Am park. It could be interesting, too, if you put in, like, say, Sussex seems like the best possible location. I don't think you want to put it in Canada. It's a kind of 50-50 wager there. I'm sure it would do fine in Quebec, but it's still keeping the U.S. to make it easier. And also, Sussex is that nice little three spot for most the former teams now. And obviously, Yogi Bear is just straight out not hosting an all-star game. That ballpark is in no way, shape, or form up to snuff for that. Nope, not not yet. Not ready yet. No, Torso wants to put like $5 million, $10 million into it. 
different story. Now we're now we're back in the all star mode. Yeah. Right. But until that happens, that's not an all star level thing. You don't want that to be your showcase of your league. Yeah. Good luck with that. Sussex, you can get away with that. Sussex is a nice enough ballpark where you could reasonably host it. Absolutely, man. Sussex has a lot of other amenities as well. They have that uh, restaurant right on site there, and that's pretty good. Uh, they have a lot of other things to do, like right within the complex. Uh, they have pretty good concessions and also really good uh, seating areas. I like the, the way that it's kind of set up. So I think you can really do it well there, and I think it would be a show of good faith. I think that, that could be interesting. However, I, I don't know if all of the Frontier Leagues, the you traditional come back Frontier Leagues, would want to do that, but I think we would love that. Yeah. <laughs> that to happen, but. I think that's not a bad idea simply because you could then go ahead and showcase a lot of these Frontier League teams, a lot of talent. Now, all 14 teams are going to play each other, and then you're going to travel to 11. So 11 teams are coming to Sussex, 11 teams are coming to New Jersey, 11 teams are going to Rockland, and so on and so forth. But you get to see everybody there, all the teams, all the representatives, everybody's at a Can-Am Park, and the Miners are probably the most fanatical of all the, um, oh, 100%. of all these former Can-Am bases. Oh, 100%. And so you go ahead and have the most passionate fan base that's there. On top of this new league, and it could be a nice show there, it could be a nice unity thing. I would like that. I th- Plus, as one few ballparks, I think, could actually host it. You know, obviously, you're not going to go back to Rockland in back-to-back years. That would be very odd. Yeah, that'd be odd. Uh, I think, really, if you're looking at other ballparks that could host in this league, Florence probably could, from what I've seen in that Florence, ballpark. Yeah. It does look nice. Washington, maybe. Washington, maybe. maybe. I don't really know many of these ballparks, so it's hard for me to say. So That's why I was kind of throwing Evansville out there from organizationally. It seems like a, a solid choice. Yeah, Evansville seems like an interesting choice, like I said before, but I do think that if you go east, you're going to have to put it in Sussex County, because like you said, you can't put it in Rockland, that would be the best spot, but obviously hmm. you just did that, and then they cannot put it in, in New Jersey with the Jackals, uh, obviously I think that there's some renovations that need to be done before the park is really something you want to showcase, not to say that Yogi Berra doesn't, doesn't have potential to be a great stadium again, and it once was a very nice stadium, but hmm. it hasn't been updated uh, in quite some time. Exactly. It's just one of those things where when Dorso first bought it, he did put in a little bit of money to it. Yeah, he did. He worked on the field a little bit, and then I believe he also put the scoreboard out there scoreboard, as well. Yeah. However, that's about it. Um, yeah, seating needs to be done in order to... Yeah, this, from just a fan perspective, the seats need to be fixed. Like, yeah. there's just certain seats that are just straight up broken. There's not really much else to do there besides watching the game itself, which we've talked in length about that, yeah. how you're not sitting down and watching an independent league game like you would a major league game. That's just not how that works. Right. I mean, people are there for entertainment. Yep. And then concessions really aren't great. The little bar thing they do have is kind of nice. Yeah, but that's, that's interesting, yeah. That little bar thing is pretty nice, uh, but I, I think it's not quite at the same level that yeah. Sussex County is, and I think that's why Sussex County would be a really good spot. You put it, bring up a great point with the fans. I mean, they have some crazy fans that just really into the minors, and... That's why I think it's, first of all, very smart that they didn't change the name. That would have been really bad. Um, but I think, secondly, uh, you know, having the Miners fans there for that kind of a game would be really great to, like you said, showcase it. And then you have people from all around um, the Frontier League saying, oh, look, look at this. This is a team in our league that has just been brought in that has this really great fan base. And I think that would be really good. You know, absolutely. Just to quickly touch on Canada, part of the reason you got to roll it out is because most of the fans that would travel to it would need a passport or some sort of a Nexus card to actually get across to the game. So, off the bat, most people are not going to be going to it. And I don't count on the Quebec market to entirely go there. I don't think that's a great uh, idea, at least for now. I think if you put one in southern Ontario, then I could see you putting an all-star game there. That is a lot easier travel-wise to get done. And then you could reasonably expect there to be enough people to travel to it. But Yeah, I agree. I think Quebec's a little bit out of the way for a lot of the fans <laughs> that are coming from New Jersey or even New York. I think it will be difficult for them to get there. Yeah. So I think... Let alone the Midwest. And let alone the Midwest. And the Midwest would be very difficult. And so if you've got all these fans that are trying to migrate up, it would be very hard. Like you're saying, you also need passports and other things to get into Canada. So, I mean, I, I think that you could do it, but I think you need to do it they need to be marketing it now, and then they would need to have, uh, like you're saying, maybe a location that's a little bit closer to the border. Oh, absolutely. That, and I, too, expect kind of the all thing to be announced in roughly December. That's when it got announced last year in December. 
So that would make sense beginning of December. I think ideally they'd like to get in before Black Friday, so that way you could kind of announce it the week before Thanksgiving. Toss a Black Friday sale on there, and then just promote it through the holiday season, and probably put together some sort of a travel plan or package, because I definitely could see, like let's just use Evansville for an example, if you did put an all-star game there, the miners definitely could get a bus and go out to Evansville. There's not a doubt in my mind that they could easily afford that. Yeah, I mean, I think that that would be an interesting thing they could do, although I don't know how many people would... I don't know how many people would do it, and I don't know what they would charge for that, but I think they could pull something like that together. They, ha- they probably have enough fans to get, uh, yeah, to get a the, out there. Yeah, I think the interest is certainly there, and that's why I say you toss it out there. I think that could work. E- I think it easily work personally. I think there's enough of a fan base there that generates that. And as for the names of the two teams, both being minors, I'm still firmly entrenched in the camp. They should play a seven-game playoff for the name. Seven game playoff for the name. Yeah, a best of seven for the game for the name. Whoever wins four first keeps the name. The other one has to change it. I, I think uh, probably practically they should both keep it, but the uh, stakes, though. The, you know, I I don't know about the the game, but I don't know about the, the seven game set. But what I would say is that Southern Illinois probably isn't going to change it. <laughs> I know the Sussex County is not going to change it, but if someone's got to change it, I think um I think it would be. Very bad for the uh, overall team's, uh, you know, reputation. They've branded, they've marketed this in all these years, and then they got to change everything over. I think that would be very difficult. But I do also think that the seven-game set would be very interesting. You have a lot of guys playing real hard to keep that name. <laughs> you could even just make it like the all-time teams for each side. <laughs> Like, just make it a total promotional thing. I think it would be fun, personally. It would be fun. Uh, it would be sad to see one of the teams lose, though. Well, but. see, that's the key at the end. You go ahead, you bring whoever, the owner, whichever winning team is out there, and go, because we're so nice, we're going to let you use the name still. Oh, and just pull go. the rug out there, because you already got everything you needed out of it. Yeah, fair enough. And then everybody's happy. That's not a bad idea. The Miners Clash. That'd be, that'd be an interesting thing. You got to really... And, and the thing is, they both start with uh, S. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... It's like, you can't just put S minors because that's both of them. Yeah, now it's SI minors or uh, SC minors. Yeah. SC minors, the family team. Yeah, there but, you go. <laughs> anyways, wrapping up on the uh, on the scheduling thing, there's nothing else terribly interesting here. Obviously, we I broke down the uh, scheduling of five teams playing 12 games, four teams playing six games, and then three teams playing three teams, or three games, rather. Last week, that holds true here. Uh, interdivision play starts right away, such as the Jackals opening up in Florence, Kentucky against the to-be-named team. Uh, that's another thing. Uh, Florence is having a rename the team contest. Round one is over. Round two is coming up soon. They'll have the top five team names there. Keep an eye out for that. So they're going to start right away with interleague play. That's all begins May 14th. That's opening day for the league. And the playoffs begin on the 8th of September. So it's going to be a fun year. going to be a lot new teams, or a lot more new teams, rather, and all in all, it's going to be exciting as we finally get to see some diversity in the league amongst teams. Yeah, it'll be great. You see a lot of different teams, and a lot of different teams will come to the, the different cities. So you got, like I said, 11 teams coming to each each ballpark, and that'll be great for fans to you know, see a different team and a different set of players every week, every month. And so you'll have a lot of, like you said, more diversity, uh, more parity within the league itself. I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. So I guess we should go to the thing that there's a lot of people listening for now that that we've probably been annoying that we talking about an all-star game for, for right. the, the past uh, yep. 10 minutes or so. All right, so kind of going back to the beginning of the whole Evansville thing. Wednesday, a tryout went out. Your standard tryout, it had Evansville, Juliet, and then some other teams in there. But those were the main two that we care about for this Frontier League business. Inside, it had your age restrictions. It had to be at least 18. So let's see, you'd have to be born that day that it went out in 2001, and you couldn't have been born prior to October 3rd, 1993. If you do the math on that, it comes out to be about 26 years old. Can't be older than 26. Which is kind of odd, too, because before this, the age was 27, but I suppose they give that year gap because your birthday falls in a certain way, because how this works, looking on their player procurement page on there, it goes by October 1st of that season, how they count the age. So if you turn 29 on October 2nd, you're still good to play for that year. But if you turn 29 on October 1st, you're not good, which is 
that must really suck if that's your birthday. Yeah, it's terrible. By mere hours, you're off. It's tempting to just kind of fudge the day. Yeah, it was a toss. It was right around midnight. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Exactly. Know. Sometimes it's one day. Sometimes it's another day. You know, days are flexible. Yeah, you really flexible. Depends on time zone. Yeah. <laughs> really, what time zone were we in? You know, I can't tell these things. Exactly. You know, I was in Australia at the time. Ah, uh, yeah. So, you know, it's hard to... Yeah. Any case, so it puts out 26. Now, this is disturbingly low for most players here. Yeah. <laughs> As that's barely above... Like Empire League goes. I mean, most of those guys are like 23, 24 because they just got out of college. So even then, if you got signed to 23, you got three years and then you're done. That's really short. However, this, I put that up there saying, I guess we know the age limit now because it was in there. However, then I got a swarm of people on the player procurement side that we talked to saying, well, you haven't heard anything about this. This is news to even us. Like, we don't think that's, that's the case. We don't think that's official. They just probably didn't update the one they used last year. And just probably pulled it out, slapped it on, and then ran with it. And just changed the actual day on the top from 18 to 19. Right. So then I said, this isn't an official announcement yet. There are people saying it's not. Just this could be what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Which thing cued the swarm of players all saying, what's the thing? Did you hear about this? Is this official? All that. And then putting out that fire. Right. So up until this point, we've kind of thought it's going to be 27 or 28. Because that's what we've just been constantly hearing until this thing came along. And I think we all can kind of, kind of agree. 26 is way too, way too low. Yeah. And that was never realistic. However, today, upon looking through the Frontier League website, trying to find things to talk about, because outside of uh, Somerset, there really wasn't too much this week happening. Which is weird to say, because we've had like a month of just solid things <laughs> yeah. going crazy. And then, exactly, between mergers and all sorts of other business been non-stop. I found on their uh, on their one player page, it said eligibility, player eligibility. If you go to their website, it's under that tab. The age limit is set at 28, and that page is up to date. It says May 10th, 2020. So that's on the page there for another section. So that tells me it is up to date, that they did update that. So I feel confident in saying that that is the official number. And that is 28. Now, I haven't gotten a press release yet, which we are on the press list now, too. But no press release, nobody saying this is what it is. However, I feel confident enough in it to say it's going to be 28. Because that page is up to date. It's on their website. It lists 28 specifically. It's 28 as of October 1st of that season. So I feel confident saying that the age limit will be 28. Which I know for a lot of Pan Am guys, they're not going to be happy about that at all. Oh. I think that is that is true, as, as we're saying, if that is the accurate information, and we do believe it is, then that's a real shame. I think that's a real missed opportunity <laughs> by this league to continue to force this age limit in, where I think it's going to, you know, you know, fail in, in some way. It's not going to make the league fail anyway, but I think it's going to hurt the league, and it's going to change the league over from being kind of the... It has this opportunity to go become the dominant force in independent league baseball, and now it is going to really hold it back in many ways, and it's not going to work. And like you said, I think there's so many players that have the opportunity to either jump over from the Atlantic League or just the the Can-Am League guys that have been in the league for years and really have done so much for the game, and now that they're they're not, they're just kind of like cast aside. And I think it's a it's a real shame, and it's a, something that needs to be kind of. Uh, looked at again, and I'm sure it won't be, uh, but I think it, it's something that at least at the end of the season, they should look at it and go, well, did this work? And I don't I don't think that answer's going to be yes. I mean, last week I think I made it pretty clear what my stance was on this whole thing. I mean, it's about 12 minute long monologue that I went on about <laughs> this whole thing right in the middle of the merger talk. It is totally unfair to the players. Yep. They didn't ask for a merger, and like I said, I understand that the standing of the Can-Am League was in was one of the standings of we're on the verge of only having four teams next year and four teams is not a league. It's really do this or die. And when given that choice, you have to make the tough call and just say, well, then I guess we're going to have to merge and survive. However, still, it's unfair to the players to get totally blindsided by this. It's completely and utterly blindsiding to them. We've seen numerous guys come over from the Frontier League into the Can-Am League and still succeed because of this age limit. 
most notably uh, Santiago Torino from New Jersey. He's the most obvious of them all. He jumped from Frontier over here. I believe that's because he wound up having his age 27 season, so he had to jump over. Or at the very least, uh, the best option was to make the move over. So guys like him are now out of business. Yeah. Guys like uh, Lars Lagari from mm-hmm. Miners. Yeah. Guys like Adi Siriaco from the Miners. Siriaco fan favorites. I mean, yeah. A lot of guys are just, you know, it's tough. You're out of luck now. It's like a, it's like a college plus league at this point where it's just you're too old to play college ball, so you better hope now. I mean, if you're over 28 now, you're 29, 30, I hope you're good enough to make in the American Association of the Atlantic League because you are not going to be playing in the Frontier League. It, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense from a business perspective. It doesn't make sense from a baseball perspective. You're not going to tell me that somebody who's 29 is not as good of a player as somebody who's 27. And I understand it's all about, you know, oh, are reframing the league as player development, and that's what the Frontier League's motto was, is, oh, we're developing players. Yeah, you know what? I, I think that's a whole lot of nothing. I think there's a, a lot of guys that are playing in these leagues because they love to play baseball. And, and I think fans love it because these guys have a specific amount of passion to play this game, not for a lot of money, not for a lot of press, but just because they love baseball. And I think that's why fans come to the park. And it's a shame that you're not going to see those guys that people just love to see. Like, Audie Siriaco is a fan favorite. He's a heck of a baseball player. And, you know, now we don't get to see him because he's, uh, you know, kind of been cast aside by this new league. I mean, you you could look through any any roster here. I mean, I would yeah. have looked through it and put together a list of notable guys, but I found this out, like, about an hour before we started recording this. Yeah. And guys like Breland Almondo, they're gone. Conrad Gregor, gone. Taylor Brennan, gone. You know, it's... It's crazy to think all these guys are gone. And like you're saying, 27 and 29 are very, they're about all the same there at this level. It's just not making any sense here. I guess at last, you had such a great opportunity to go to be a 1A, 1B type thing with the Atlantic League. Absolutely. Because you had those similar markets and you had the Midwest. You had major cities in your markets, New York most notably, but you also had teams in Chicago. You have teams in Pittsburgh. These are not small markets by any means. No. And you could easily continue to expand to bigger markets. I mean, you had St. Louis until River City went out, but it was to say that in a couple of years, maybe the summer collegiate team's not doing as well, and you go back into that market. It was to say you don't go up by Detroit or by or via Cleveland or something like yeah. that. There's other major markets that you could go and, you know, exploit and use it to your advantage there. But, and you say you want to expand to another six teams here. Well, like I saw on Twitter from Rob Daly last week, I like the grandfathering rule if, because I think we all kind of knew in the back of our minds that they were never going to go to a permanent, you know, 30-30 plus right. rule. I think grandfathering them in would have been perfectly fair. The guys that were on the roster as of the last day of their season... You can go and play for that team specifically right. until you're released. And once you're released, you can't sign back into the league. I think that would have been perfectly fair. I okay. think that would have been fine. It wouldn't have been what every player wanted, but at least they would have had an opportunity to continue to play. I think it would have been more fair than this. Because right now, it's totally unfair to them. You're killing their careers off. It's clear they're not doing this for money. As I said last week, they already sacrificed so much to go out there and play. I mean, you make... Ten grand for the summer if you're lucky. Yeah. You make more bagging groceries than that. Yep. You're doing this to simply try to continue your dream. You're doing this to try and get to the point where you can go play for the same pay in an affiliate system to hopefully get to AAA where you can make close enough to a real salary, you know, sixty, seventy thousand. Yeah. And then maybe get to major leagues where you'll make actual money. All of this just and that's all secondary to just following the training you had and growing up. Because it's clear, these guys aren't doing this solely because they want to go back to the major leagues. Now, that's the motivating factor. That's the carrot. That's the end goal. Right. But if you didn't love the game so much, you wouldn't be playing in an independent league. Absolutely. It's as simple as that. And you especially wouldn't be doing it at 30-33. Because anywhere in that range, let's be honest with ourselves, those types of guys probably are not going to get signed. Probably not, no. It's only going to be the real standouts. They're going to get their shot, and most of them are going to be guys that already had experience at a high level of baseball, namely AAA or some major league kind. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, you'll have your guys that get a cup of coffee in the major leagues, and sometimes they come back down and they're 
uh, because of these independent leagues and they do get re-signed, but oftentimes it's not. Oftentimes they don't have delusions about that either. A lot hmm. of people are just there to go play baseball because they love playing baseball. I mean, and that's the, the thing for a lot of guys. And to do this, like you're saying, the grandfathered in idea, I, I did read about that. And I think it's, it was an interesting one. I think it was a good one, but I, I just think that the, the Frontier League's model is broken. And it, it, there's no need for an age limit at all. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a rule that doesn't make sense. It reeks of fear to me. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> that they're just afraid to make a change or make something different, which in a sense I understand is not a stable business at all. Nope. I, can't see that ever being coming a stable business model. Nope. You know, sports off the bat is, you know, very hit or miss. I mean, it's probably the second most dangerous thing to open outside of a restaurant. Yeah. So many times it fails because it's just, it requires so much capital in the beginning and then to keep it running. And it's the kind of thing where once you get going, you just have to keep going up because if you stay stagnant, people are going to leave because nothing new is happening. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult. And I understand their perspective of it where we don't want to make too much radical change at one time. However, this doesn't seem like the kind of uh, radical change that's a bad one. It seems like the kind of thing where you could even restrict it. Like, and I'm before, I thought there was going to be at least one roster exemption because I thought I had seen that somewhere, and I'm pretty sure I had that you were going to be able to get one other guy. Right. But from what I can kind of gather, it's, it's one guy that is older than that is of veteran status, which is 28 years old. And that's and that's that's horse. It's ridiculous. It's just not. It's not real to what the spirit of these leagues is, which is supposed to be so guys can continue their careers at any stage, and they can continue to play and continue to, you know, be part of the communities that these organizations are in. And you're not going to tell me that a guy like Conrad Greger that goes up to uh, New Jersey last year, comes back to New Jersey, has all this experience, and yet he didn't produce offensively all that well in the, in the playoffs, particularly in the championship series. But you're going to tell me his overall demeanor, his reliability, and also just his overall sense of the game didn't have an impact on that series? You can't tell, you can't tell me that. I, I would tell you that's, that's bull. And, yeah. uh, and so I think that, you know, having those guys is so important, and it's a shame that they're not going to be able to do yeah. that. And disregarding the play on the field, that their impact to the fans and in that community isn't felt. I mean, how many times do you just see these guys just walking around? Yeah. It's like they're just... They're regular guys that are just enjoying the fact they get to keep playing a child's game to this point here, and they've managed to go ahead and fool people into actually paying them to play a game that they were going to be playing anyway. Yeah. So they're just happy to be there. They're happy to get that shot. At least most of these guys are at that point, because they're like, hey, I topped off at like a couple of games in AA. Maybe if some of them have some AAA or Major League experience, and those guys are really dedicated on getting back there. Yeah. Most of them are just like, hey. I thought Mike Brewer was over four or five years ago, so I'm just still running on it. And I'm going to keep running it until I can't run it anymore, and then we're going to try and adjust to that. But yeah, I just think it's, I think it's the kind of thing where I can understand if you restricted the number. Yeah. I could even, I can go with, you want to say at 27, you can only have, uh, say, five guys that are above that age. Yeah, I agree with that. And not exceeding the age of 35, 33. 35, 36, yeah. I thrilled with it, but I'd be, okay, well, that's at least somewhat fair. At least there's some kind of a compromise going on. Exactly. There, there's some give and take here. It just rubs me really the wrong way that this is what it's going to be at. I just don't, I'm not a fan of it at all. I think it's very unfair. I think over the past few weeks, I've made that very clear that I'm not a fan of 28 as a number. I think that number needs to be higher if you're going to go with a flat. This is our cutoff. Yeah. Or you need to do something in between. I will say some of the other ideas is I've floating around. I'm not a fan of either. I saw one that said, well, you should let the Frontier League guys keep more guys of an older age on their roster, which I'm not a fan of that at all for competitive reasons. If you're going to do it to one side of the board, it has to be to the other side. Otherwise, oh, cool. it's going to be naturally unfair. Yeah. Not saying that, you know, because they're older players, they're going to play better, but still it presents that opportunity for them to... I just that then it's like you can't have one set of teams playing by a different set of rules. Yeah, it's no. not fair to everybody else. No, that's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, it needs to be a level field. Yeah, a lot of those half baked ideas aren't exactly. <laughs> that and I saw yeah. the I saw the one idea saying, "Well, why don't the players just sue for age discrimination?" And the, here's the thing about it. let's just say you could, which you probably can't because the Frontier League had a rule like this in place already, right. so that would have been challenged a while ago. Let's just say you were able to sue. First off, that's going to be held up in court for a while. 
that's not a speedy thing because there's going to no. be years of discovery actually put into this. And the fact of going through, getting lawyers, going through all of this, neither side has the finances to survive this. No. Aren't the baseball players that are probably hauling in, I don't know, what would we say, on a total for a year to the income between 10 grand to get from playing baseball for the four months of the year to probably playing in a winter league, making about five grand, let's call it, and then doing a bunch of, uh, probably do a bunch of training and lessons yeah. and shit like lessons, that. They'll probably, yeah. yeah, they'll probably top them up at what, probably around 50. If they're lucky. Yeah, <laughs> probably between 40 and 50. Yeah. Let's call it 40. We'll call it 40 if they're lucky, yeah. Can a class action lawsuit with a bunch of guys on uh, $40,000 a year uh, salary to afford the top-of-the-line guys, even though they'll probably be paid on contingency of winning the thing, can they afford to sue a league, which already off the bat is probably not the most financially stable institution, as they've lost three teams in the past two years to summer collegiate leagues, and it's really just waiting for one huge blow to kill them. Would that be a good idea to sue this league? Or even if you can win it, you're going to bankrupt them, and now everybody's out of a job instead of just like 20% of guys being out of a job. Right. I mean, obviously there's that, and that, that logically doesn't make sense. But also, I just think overall, there's probably no case there, because a lot of things have age restrictions in society, that's just the way it is. I mean, it's not ageist uh, discrimination. I mean, we can argue about whether it's actually ageist. It might be. Uh, but I don't know if there's a legal leg to stand on there. As you referenced earlier, I don't think there is. And unfortunately, you know, obviously we all want to have that visceral emotional reaction of, oh yeah, let's, let's go do something about this. But the legal process in this country takes quite a long time. Specifically, we're going to talk about the civil <laughs> legal, uh, legal procedures that kind of regulate the United States. It's not exactly the easiest part. Then also you've got the fact that half the leagues aren't going to be, or at least half the teams, part of the teams aren't even going to be in the uh, United States. So I'm going to sue, I'm going to sue, you know, like... Yeah, the, you're going to sue entities that are between... Uh, in Canada, uh, like what? Yeah. <laughs> Which, let's just, I just want to pull this out real quick. We got breaking news on the podcast. Oh, this is rare. News. Oh, boy, yeah, here we go. We got one of the, uh, is getting back to us. With an actual breakdown here of what the what the rules are going to be. Obviously, okay. they're going to remain us as we do all the time here. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, the roster restrictions are going to be as follows. Teams are going to be allowed four veterans of any age. So that's going to be a huge win. So the page must have been misleading. However, that page is still up, so go look at it. Go hog wild on it. It does say 28, so that will probably wind up being something. They must have a minimum of 10 rookies on the thing. Now, rookies do qualify as a particular age group. Again, that's listed under the uh, player eligibility page. Right. We are trying to get qualified as a, as what that is. Mm-hmm. As for people that are wondering what veterans are going to be considered, that's going to be anything over 27. So, 28. That's the number we saw. What's confusing to me here is, whether or not it's veterans of any age or right. veterans that are 27 or anything. Or is it going to be two separate categories here? Four veterans of any age plus veterans. So like a veterans and a veterans plus. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's an important question that we have to unpack more and get more information on. Because if it's veterans of any age and four spots, then like we're talking about, there's a definite um, a, a definite compromise trying to be reached here. Mm-hmm. And somebody you know has hashed this out and it's, it's good to go. It's not what everybody wants, like you said, but it's much better. But if it's only 28, oh boy, you know, they're going to have a lot of unhappy players. Oh, you bet. You bet. Which, I love this. That information comes in right after we finish the rant on it. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. That's the classic timing. That's where it goes. Well, you know, so uh, whatever we said before, disregard it. <laughs> yeah, stand by that until we know that, until they officially say, this is what it's going to be, we stand by that. Yeah, for now. <laughs> If they change it, then that obviously changes the opinion. But until they do such a thing, then, you know, with what we're given and from what, yeah, from what they have officially listed on their website. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's what I'm going to go with. That's extremely yeah. misleading. They should take that down immediately if that's not the case. Yeah, either update it again to reflect properly what it is or stand by what's on your website. Or just take it down. Yeah. Just take the web, take that. Take the player eligibility section down or put, now, yeah. put something up saying, as of right now, this is still fluid. We're working it out, yeah. Yeah, something along those lines here. But it is good that I got it while we're still recording. Yeah, that's, that, good. that's a good start. 
That's still touch and go. A mess. <laughs> yep. The age limit is supposedly 28 coins to the site, but according to sources, it's going to be 27 for veterans, but you can have four veterans of any age. Currently speaking, like you said, it's a mess. Yeah, it's just a mess. Cool. Nobody really knows what's happening, because the website's saying one thing, people that are well-connected are saying other things, and who really knows what's happening anymore? And, you know, so we're just kind of, we're here to sift it out for you yeah. on the Indie Ball Report podcast. Yeah. We're going to just try and sift it all through. Hopefully we'll have a concrete answer soon, and we'll be able to put out exactly what everything is going forward. Yep. However, let's move to something that's a bit more concrete with the Atlantic League now. That's, for once, looking like a nice, solid, easy-going thing, and yep. it's managed to get us to all totally forget about the crazy-ass rules that they're pulling off right now. Yeah. Isn't that lovely when that happens? Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, no, the Somerset Patriots, man. How about that? I know, they go ahead and announced their next 20 initiative here. Now it's on Thursday. Had a whole panel Q&A. Had the whole Caliper clan in there, you know. Josh, Jonathan, Steve, you know, the whole group. Yeah. Um, some local officials and stuff there. Joe Torrey was also there, so that's good. Yeah, that's I kind of wish I would have went, could have asked him. So are players allowed to wear NYPD and, M- and FDNY hats on 9-11, or is that not allowed in this league either? Oh. I just want to know. I'm curious, Joe. Yeah, That's very curious. Very curious. In any case, they did announce what their whole thing was. I thought it was going to be some sort of community initiative thing. Other people said it's going to have to do with the stadium. Other people are correct. Yeah. <laughs> See, because I didn't think they were going to go like all out here. I thought it was going to be like some huge, look at our next 20 thing. Look how wonderful we are. We're going to give back to the community. Yeah, they went all out. <laughs> yeah, no, they went ahead and said, yeah, we're just going to put out a whole bunch of new stuff into our ballpark. Yeah, we'll just slap it all in. <laughs> yeah, uh, so a lot of seating's going to be gone. They're going to replace it with a new seating area. It looks yeah. very nice. It's like tiered. It did look nice, yeah. <laughs> new concession thing. And there's also kind of like a deck area type thing, mm-hmm. at least from the renderings. We'll link all that stuff on the show notes. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, a uh, new picnic area that's getting redone, mm-hmm. getting updated. Uh, the handlebar, which is where that's located, is... Uh, Right by the stairwells for the suites to get up there. The third base side, left field gate entrance, right there. What used to be that kind of little crappy bar. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's going to turn into an actual kind of like bar thing, similar to what, uh, I guess, similar to New Jersey's type thing, only right. a bit more open air. Okay. Kind of like Rockland has. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. Not, not the one that's under the, uh, under the bridge, the one that's up on the concourse. Oh, the one that's on the concourse. Yeah, yeah the one okay. that's on the first base side there. Uh-huh, yep. Yeah, similar to that. And then uh, they're also bring a Ferris wheel in, but that's not yeah. important, you know. The, the Ferris wheel. We're just going to ignore the giant, like, oh, couple hundred foot monstrosity that's going to be outside of a ballpark. I'm not sure I love the Ferris wheel. I'm not going to lie. I saw a lot of people that are high on the Ferris wheel. Oh, I, everyone loves the Ferris wheel, but I'm, I think I'm, I'm going to agree with you here. I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. First of all, who's going to a baseball game like, you know what we need? You know what we need? We need a Ferris wheel. No, we don't. We don't need a Ferris wheel. It's okay. a baseball game. It's like, here's the thing with the Ferris wheel. It's great in theory. And keep in mind, the, the Ferris wheel still needs some approval because it's a permanent structure. Right, type yeah. Thing. I want to know. It's like, it'll be, it'll be cool going up to the top of it and then looking down at the full part. Yeah, that would be cool. I'll grant you that, but man. Okay, but the question is, can you access, can you go out to the Ferris wheel during the game? No, you cannot. Uh, so, you know. Unless they let you re-enter with the ticket. Right, maybe maybe they'll do a yeah. rule where you can re-enter from the Ferris wheel. Yeah, I'd imagine it would be uh, either they stamp your hand or give you like a, a band or something Probably there. Or something you got to like present that. your ticket or something. Something, and then yeah. Some yes, like that, yeah. but... But man, the Ferris wheel just doesn't make much sense to me. Like, the it's gonna look so right. out of place. That's oh, my yeah. thing. Like, I couldn't co-sign with it if it was like out in the outfield. Right. If it was beyond the ballpark a little yeah. bit, maybe. Where it kind of adds to the scenery when you're in there. Right. But it's right in the front. <laughs> like, a, a statue would look pretty cool. Maybe like a little monument thing. A stage would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, a stage would have been really cool, but, you know, I think that the Ferris wheel isn't great. The city of Bridgewater, you know, might have something to say, to say there. Well, uh, the officials that were there seemed high on the Ferris wheel, oh, too. They, they were, oh, well, yeah. the officials <laughs> were into it, but, you know, I, I think um, Bridgewater is a fantastic town. I think they do a really nice job in their area as a whole, and so I think that's really what's going to make, has, has made the Patriots so successful. Is they Obviously, the Calipers know exactly what they're doing. Ferris wheel or no. Um, yeah. But they, but secondarily, I think the town that surrounds them has grown in such great ways around them, and it's really been 
kind of a fantastic um, experiment that has really worked out there where you have this town that kind of is growing in this really impressive way and you've got shopping and you've got the baseball team and all this right in that generalized area. I think that's what makes Somerset particularly good and particularly able to be dominant. Yeah, no, definitely. Plus, during the actual thing, I forget which person it was from the actual town or local government that was there, but they said, Bridgewater really doesn't have a downtown. But on game night, the ballpark's downtown. Absolutely. Because it's the meeting place, the community. Yep. And one of the things that was constantly stressed during the during this whole panel was the theme of partnership, both the MLB and ALPB1, the partnership that the Califers have had with that community, mm-hmm. where they haven't taken taxpayer money, it's been private money that's built that ballpark, yep. that's putting in all these upgrades, that's just been that way, and it's been very successful. They've been very hands-on in the areas where they need to be hands-on, but hands-off in all the areas you don't want them to be. They've right. been really model owners that you would expect to see from a team oh, since day one, absolutely. and you got nothing but respect for them there, you, even, even though we are poking some fun at this Ferris wheel. The but point, you have to. yeah, I mean, it's a Ferris wheel, belongs to the carnival, not a baseball game. But still, seeing like massive improvements like that, because you know the Ferris wheel is not going to be cheap. Oh, it's going to be extremely expensive. Exactly. So between the staff to operate it, to the labor and the time to build it, the materials to build it, yeah, to get everything working out there, plus the time commitment it took to get Bridgewater to sign off on the damn thing. <laughs> yep. To put in all that much energy into this, you got to respect that that they care that much about their team and the fans to actually put all this time and money into it. Because, I mean, let's look over at in New Jersey. I'm not saying Floyd Hall or Dorsa does not, did not or does not care about the team. I'm not saying that. But from the looks of the ballpark, they're not very willing to put money into it. They're not willing to put their own capital into it. Absolutely not. In, in these ways. Like, in the same ways, at least in the same way that Califer is. I mean, Califer is willing to do what needs to be done to make it a very enjoyable experience, an entertaining experience. That's what this first will is. It's kind of showing we're here not only for the baseball game, but as we've talked about before, one of the most important parts of independent league baseball is that entertainment, and Califer is once again showing that he's a master at understanding that. And I think Dorso does a really nice job in other areas. I think he's a really smart owner, but I think partially what some of the issue is, he's not really committed to giving into uh, a lot of these big-time renovations. And I think these big-time renovations are extremely important because it's what keeps people coming to the ballpark. It's not only that they can go and watch a baseball game and it can be a little bit cheaper, even though Somerset is not exactly cheap at the moment. But it's also about going to a game and entertaining a crowd and getting that experience. The family can go there. It's this really beautiful ballpark. They can get some good food. They can watch a nice product on the field. And then now they can go on a Ferris wheel. <laughs> and then, And I think overall, I think it's really shows the difference in the ideology of these two organizations. And I'm just going to circle back here real quickly uh, to our last topic on the Frontier League real quick, because now our good friend ALPB News put out the same thing that we got. So, unfortunately, we're not first to it, which is always a shame. I was planning on, you know, hyping this thing up. You know, Will, you really killed our vibe on this. Yeah, I killed our vibe. But, you know what, we appreciate the... I mean, uh, he tagged us in it, so I appreciate that. But, man, you killed the vibe. Yeah, well, it happens. So, his thing it is, an age limit of 27 years old, but the teams are allowed to keep four veterans on there. Those veterans can be any age. You have to have a minimum of 10 rookies. So, to clarify what we were wondering, it appears that the veterans, at least for this year, can be any age. And, so, and but this is sourced stuff. This is yeah, no, that's that, sourced, right? That, that is from his source, which I believe is similar to the same as our guy. Okay. You know, I... I feel confident going with that. Plus, okay. we know him. He's going to put out quality stuff here, right? Yeah, I totally trust him. To re- if he's reporting, I believe him, too. Yeah. I mean, if any one of us in the community is reporting it, odds are it's good. We're not running with just wild stuff here. We do right. the same thing where we double and triple check before you run with it. Mm-hmm. Or if it's on an official thing, then we run with that. Yeah. Because when you don't, you run into confusion. But apparently, even if you do use the yeah. official <laughs> channels, you still run into confusion. <laughs> Two times in three days, Frontier League. Twice. Get your sh- get get it figured out. Let's get it together. Let's get it Come together. on, man. But well, any case, so that that's what that's gonna be. So that's a lot better. So we retract some of the harsh shit we were saying earlier. A lot however, of <laughs> however, if you do if this does wind up to being sourced incorrectly, which I'd be very surprised at this point of that, then uh, we reinstate that. But until such a point 
If it is at 27 as the veteran limit, fine. But the fact that those, everybody's getting four exemptions, so that is, let's see, 28 times 2 is what? 56? So there's still 56 spots that are going to be open, so that will definitely help out the cause a lot. 56, boom, on the money. Look at this guy, man. And they, and they say the comms majors don't use math. Mathematicians. We're still good at math. We choose not to use it because it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Any event, we're back on track here. Wrapping up on Somerset here. I just felt like we had to toss in the Frontier League bit there Absolutely. to amend it. The whole uh, the whole Somerset thing, I do like seeing that they dumped that much money in. Like you're saying, the calipers have been models of what to do. They've been one of, the, one of the people from the beginning of this league, and they look like they are going to continue this for many, many years. And I, I can look forward to see what their next 20 does does include. Because if this is the opening stage to it, I can only imagine where it's going to go from here. Agreed. I think this is kind of building a platform for the continued success that will happen, and I think it's going to be fantastic. Absolutely. So let's just quickly finish here on the Long Island Pass deal. This has also happened on Wednesday. This was happening at the same time that, you know, we thought that the age limit, the age limit was going to be 26, so I was balancing two things at once, which was fun. The Long Island announced a new perk to their season tickets. If you're a Long Island season ticket holder, you're going to get access to every Atlantic Lake ballpark. Basically what happens is, with your season ticket subscription, you're going to get a VIP card. What you'd use this VIP card for is you go to another Atlantic League ballpark. You walk up to the box office, you show them your Long Island Ducks VIP card. They will then give you one ticket for every season ticket you hold with the Ducks to that game that night. So you'll get access into that ballpark. And I love this idea. Now, I do assume there is a minimum on here. I'd assume it's not like, you buy duck season tickets, you get the uh, Atlantic League pass. Season but, tickets for everyone! <laughs> because if that's the case, then it's worth just buying duck season tickets. Yeah, right. I do truly love this idea. It's a great way of engaging a fan base. It's a great way of boosting your numbers. Getting that fan base to travel. Now, obviously not to, like, High Point and uh, Sugar Land, but to certainly get them out to um, to Somerset, it could easily work there. And Absolutely. Even in Lancaster. <laughs> yeah, Lancaster and York even. That's a strong possibility as well. So I love it for that factor. More so, though, I think it's going to be great for creating newer fans. Yep. Because think of it like this. Let's say you live out in Islip. You go out to visit friends or family down in down in Maryland by the Blue Crabs, let's say. They've never been to one of these games. They may not even know that team exists. Yeah. You got your pass. You know they're there. I mean, if you hold season tickets to an Atlantic League team, you, you're a pretty big fan off the bat. Uh, you're in that percentile. Yep. So you might as well go, well, why don't we all just go out to the Blue Crabs game? Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, well, what's that? Well, I'll show you. And now you already have your piece in there. You have these new people in there. It's going to help grow those local fan bases. It's going to help grow that duck fan base. It's going to grow everything. There is nothing about this that I see as a bad thing. I love it. No, it's a great thing. And also, we've talked about it many times, where some of the teams that have lower attendance this is going to help them as well because you have a team, like you're saying, that you get season tickets for and then they bring in people to other places, other ballparks that are, you know, struggling a little bit. And especially like High Point, you go, you have somebody who's, you know, in, down in North Carolina, you're going to really have a good chance to do well. Uh, so I think overall that's a, it's a really good thing. I think this pass is very positive. It's great for that rivalry between Somerset and Long Island. There's going to be a whole lot of fans going back and forth between now. So, yeah, overall, I think it's going to be good. Oh, yeah, no, it's also definitely going to kind of boost those rivalries. Yeah. And I hope High Point and Gastonia take the notes on this. Exactly. This is the thing you should be doing right now. Absolutely. You are so close to each other, you could get this thing going. And I understand one, like, traditional sports concept of, well, you don't want the visiting fans there. Oh, you want them there. Their money's just as green. A full ballpark looks better. Yep. It's independently baseball. You want to get as many people in there as possible. Because the harder that rivalry gets, the more locals are going to get involved. And the more locals get involved, then they'll just buy those tickets. Yep. But until then, everybody should be in that ballpark, regardless of what team's on their hat. And they're spending more money, and their money on concessions is just as good as your brand money on exactly. concessions. Exactly. <laughs> it's all green. It's all green. Yep. So you might as well get them in there. But, you know, I love that thing. I just wanted to mention that because this is like the kind of thing that every league should be doing. 
Frontier League, again, we've been harsh to you today, but not unwarranted. <laughs> this is the kind of thing you should be doing right now. You just merged in five new teams, and for a lot of those five team fan base, they have about, what, you say nine new teams to look at? Yep. With six new more on the way? Uh-huh. This is the kind of thing you should be doing. Thing you gotta do. This could get so many more people in there. This could help your attendance. This could help grow recognition with the new teams and get that brand association going. Because I know... I've said several times, when I go to look up stuff, I see Rockland, Frontier League, it's still just, like, it doesn't work in my head. Like, mm-hmm. click it. like the Jackals thing, too. Like, I'll see them, i like, oh, yeah, they're, they're there now. Like, I know it, but it just doesn't look right. Not yet. It, it just, it's like when you see your favorite player from your favorite team in a different jersey, it's just oh, like, yeah. it's like, I knew he was traded, but it's still, it's not computing. It's, it's not like, going no. through my mind. But yeah, no, I just, it's the kind of thing every league should be doing because it just makes too much sense to not do this kind of thing. Yep, agreed. I couldn't agree more. I think it's it's a great idea, and I think this is, if this works, it's going to be something that's going to catch up. Absolutely. And I think that's a great place to kind of end off for today. We'll definitely be following uh, the Frontier League thing. We'll definitely have an update to that. I'll probably have a video on that at some point during the week. I'm going to be very busy this week. I got the Somerset video I'm putting out. I got this video that's now going to have to go out once we get that officially announced. Mm-hmm. And then I got the article I promised for last week that I didn't get to because of all the crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. And so that'll be out in the beginning of next week, too. So i got a busy weekend. Keeping you good and busy. Exactly. Better to be busy than that, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. But uh, let's go through our usual plugs and everything. You can find all the videos, all the articles, everything that we just mentioned on the website, IndieBallReport.com. All the podcast episodes and show notes are also there as well. In addition, you should be following us on Twitter at IndieBallPod. We tweet out a lot of stuff, a lot of the things we discussed, we gave our thoughts on on the Twitter page, so be sure to follow us there. We just broke uh, 100 followers on that page, so thanks to everybody for following there. Here's to another 100. Instagram as well, we just broke 200 on Instagram as well, too. So here's to that, here's to another 200 there. We post all the episodes, we promote a lot of stuff there, we use that story function really heavily as well. So any kind of flash, like news flashes, go to there too. You'll see some cool graphic work too on there. So definitely follow us on Instagram. That is Indie Ball Report, all lowercase on Instagram there. Uh, you can follow us, follow the podcast on just about any podcatcher that's not the Google Play Store. That one is still a problem. We need to figure that out. We've needed to figure that out for the past 10 months. So yeah. <laughs> I'm lazy on that one. Yeah, it's okay. But... You can follow us basically anywhere else on that. Be sure to like, subscribe, rate, review, you know, the whole jazz, the whole nine that you hear from every content creator online these days about about supporting the show on there. Five-star reviews really help. Comments really help. All that really helps out the cost here as well. So be sure to do that. It's Indie Ball Report on everything. So when in doubt, go with that. And if we have nothing else left to add... Well, just uh, have a good week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll end this show like we do every show. Don't forget to play ball.